I'm here. Are you here? Uh, barely, but yeah. That counts. Nope. Barely counts. So. Happy Thursday. <laughs> oh my god, it is. We were just saying off mic. Did we... Have we done it? Are we... Did we fucking complete Spooktober without... Not including next Tuesday because it's just one episode next yeah, Tuesday? Yeah, but that, that's just like a regular week yeah, for us. that's what like, I'm saying. We, we did our two episode weeks. Yeah. What? I know. Oh, and something we should have talked about off mic is our, uh, our stream for Halloween. Uh-huh. Um, but by the time you're listening to this, we will have spoken about it. And we the information will be on our Instagram. We'll also post it in the Discord. If you want to join our Discord, message us on our social media or email us, crimeculturepod at gmail.com, and mm-hmm. we will get you the link to join our Discord. Um, mm-hmm. Our live stream on Halloween is where we will be watching a scary movie, and um, during an intermission, we will be opening our uh, Secret Satan gifts. So we hope that everybody else who is a part of the Secret Satan Gift Exchange joins us and opens your gifts as well. It'll be very fun. We have a fun time. We do. I think. Yeah. So there's going to be a poll for what movie we're going to be watching, and that will be on Instagram. And then um, whatever movie wins, we're going to be watching on Halloween. Time to be determined as of right now, but by the time you're listening to this, we will have figured it out so we're being spooky yeah info let, will let be let us live info will be on uh, the all of the platforms yeah and Works links me. we're crime culture podcast i think on twitch sure that's what i'm going with that's an elliot question yep that sounds <laughs> tag like a elliot, elliot in the discord <laughs> Elliot, you want to pop in here and tell them what we are? That would be twitch.tv slash crimeculturepodcast. Okay. Okay. Let's see if he did it. I was not if, if, done. This can go one of two ways. All right. So. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't. Um, but. That wasn't enough time. All that out of the way. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about this okay. Thursday? Okay. So. This one is. A, if you've read the title of this episode also you're Haley. i'm caitlin this is crime culture oh hi welcome welcome now this is what we're talking about today um this is this is a special one because this is a request a listener request you can make those you know mm-hmm. um and we get to them eventually and this is an example of that getting to them eventually um we Got a request from Rose. Hello, Rose. Hi, Rose. And she asked that we discuss the Route 40 killer. Ooh. Yes. Um, also known as the Corridor Killer or the I-40 Killer. Okay. Um, so you, if you're from the, like, where is Delaware? I know where Delaware is. Me. I know, I know, but I'm saying is Delaware. I guess I, I asked incorrectly it's still in the northeast okay that's what i was wondering do we classify it as northeast or mid-atlantic um uh i think yeah it might be technically mid-atlantic but it's right below jersey and jersey is northeast so all right so if you're from a similar area you may have heard of this person you Mm -hmm. may have heard of this route 40 killer and if you haven't heard of them we're telling you we're about to fucking tell you yeah we're about to tell you 
Um, so starting off, Stephen Brian Pennell, Pennell, I don't know. I don't care. He sucked. Uh, he was born on November 22nd, 1957 in Glasgow, not Scotland, but Delaware. Because if America is known for one thing, it is taking the names of other countries, places, and being like, no, we're going to put it in this in this little Hey, New spot. Jersey, New York, New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then what was it when we were talking about, um, there was one episode where we were saying that, like, some states, it's just the fucking United Nations. There's so many. Mm-hmm. He was born there. Not much is known about his personal life or anything like that, but he is considered to be De- Delaware's only documented serial killer. Okay. Delaware's not a very a small big state. state. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's a small state, so it makes sense to me. Um, in the late 1980s, a string of bodies started piling up off Route 40 in Delaware, and we're going to talk about it. Okay. So, starting off shortly before 6 p.m. on a chilly, rainy night in on November 29th, 1987, 23-year-old Shirley Ellis left her family's home in the Brookmont Farms development in Newark, Delaware, and began a 14-mile trek to bring a belated Thanksgiving platter to an AIDS patient undergoing treatment at Wilmington Hospital. She was walking? Walking. 14 miles. 14 miles with a plate of Thanksgiving food. Yeah, I hope they have a microwave. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they do. It's a hospital. Yeah, it makes sense. You've had hospital food. We've all had hospital food. Blech. Mostly. And they have a microwave. They've made that very clear. Um, but so, Ellis was a former sex worker who had decided to leave her profession to become a nurse. She mm. had recently purchased books for nursing school even. Like, she was, she was changing careers. And she presumably wanted to get out of the cold. And because of her sex work she knew that she could get a ride into the city by hitchhiking along route 40 rather than walking. Mm. So the area that she was in is just South of Wilmington. That's where she used to work was literally route 40. So as she's walking along this corridor, a vehicle pulls up, offers her a ride. She is accepted. She accepts it. And that's the last she was seen. Mm. Well, not even the last she was seen because this is all presumed to be what happened. Yeah. But she hitchhiked often. Yeah. Later that evening at around 9.25 p.m., a teenage couple was driving around looking for a good makeout spot because that's what you that's do. That's what they did. Necking. Um, and they drove to a construction site off Route 40 and their plans were interrupted uh, when they saw something strange in the road. And Joseph Uh-oh. A. Swiskey, a New York, a Newark, Delaware detective, told Oxygen's mask of a serial killer, quote, the friend, the boyfriend was driving. He says, oh, somebody threw a mannequin out there. It was actually a body. <gasps> End quote. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So the couple called 911. And when police arrived on the scene, they found a young woman dead with a bloody mark on her head, ligature marks. Uh, she had been bound at the feet and the ankles, and there was black black duct tape, which they believed had been used to cover her mouth to keep her from screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still stuck to her hair. Oh, God. Uh, so her bra, actually, 
uh, trigger warning. Um, I would, if you feel that uh, trauma against the human body, mutilation, things like that are upsetting and triggering for you, I would, I would honestly skip this episode, but I would at the very least skip the next minute or two. Okay. Um, giving you a minute. Okay. Let's, let's get into it. Uh, her bra was cut open to expose her breasts and her pants had been pulled down with her legs spread apart, but no evidence of sexual assault was found. Okay. However, her body had been mutilated and the autopsy revealed that she had been tortured with work tools before she died. Yes. And what disturbed investigators the most, though, was what had happened to her chest. Because Swiskey later told Oxygen, quote, we were seeing evidence of torture where one of the nipples of her breast was mutilated. I'd never seen that type of damage to a victim, end Mm. quote. So the killer then wrapped something, whether it was like a rope or a bungee cord, like nobody really knows, but some kind of ligature around her neck and repeatedly struck her over the head with a hammer. Oh, God. Yes. So Joni E. Johnston, a forensic psychologist, later told Oxygen, quote, this offender is every woman's worst nightmare. When somebody is delivering pain that far exceeds what is necessary to kill the person, they're getting pleasure based on the pain in and of itself. The mm-hmm. torture is the satisfaction that is sexual sadism, end quote. Yeah. So that's what we're dealing with. And using photos of her tattoos, police were eventually able to identify the victim as Ellis. But as far as who had killed her, they had no fucking clue. So state prosecutor Kathleen Jennings from the Delaware Attorney General's office later told Delaware Today, quote, there was no reason for Shirley Ellis to be killed. No angry boyfriend or anything that would connect a murderer to her death. For a time, people believed it was an interstate trucker, end quote. Mm -hmm. So because the police had little to go on, the case went nowhere until it happened again seven months later. Mm. According to the court documents, a 31-year-old divorced mom of two named Catherine DeMauro was walking along Route 40 at around 11.30 p.m. on the night of June 28, 1988. She had a history of arrests for prostitution, and I only am using the word prostitution because that's what Delaware's laws classify it as. Okay. Because I guess solicitation is different. Um, Don't ask me how, but they are. So she had a history of arrests for this, which is a, it's a misdemeanor in Delaware. And she was known to hitchhike and frequent establishments along Route 40. But it's not known if she was working the night that she accepted a ride from a stranger in a blue van. So at 625 the next morning, construction workers who were building the Fox Run apartment complex off Route 40 found the body of a young woman dead along a dirt road. Mm. When police arrived, they realized the case bore similarities to Ellis's murder. Um, The body was in the exact same state as Ellis's, except this one was completely naked, whereas Ellis's was partially clothed. Mm -hmm. 
So again, there were no signs of sexual activity, but she had been tortured and mutilated with work tools before being strangled with a ligature of some kind and then bludgeoned with a hammer. Mm -hmm. So Detective Jim Hedrick with the Newcastle County Police Department told Oxygen, quote, We observed cylindrical blows to the head. There was evidence she had been bound at the wrists and ankles. We noticed there was mutilation in the breast area, partial nipple removal, end quote. And Swiskey later told Oxygen, quote, the term similarities is really a strong understatement. To, stay, to say it was another killer likely would have defied the laws of probability, end quote. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Hedrick said that he later told Delaware Today, quote, everything was consistent with the Ellis case. We felt that the same person was responsible for both murders, end quote. Mm-hmm. However, DeMoro's autopsy revealed more than just a serial killer being on the loose. They also discovered that she was covered head to toe in blue carpet fibers, indicating that wherever she had been attacked and killed, there was that specific type of carpet. That's a good piece of evidence. Yes, it's a good piece of evidence. And so they know that, like, they suspect that this is a pattern and now they've got like kind of a clue to go off of, whereas Ellis, they didn't really have any clues. They, again, yeah. case was cold for seven months. So, and I will also be quick to note, uh, had Ellis not had the career history that she had, had she not worked as a sex worker, would her case have been solved? Would more effort had been made to solve the case yeah. sooner? We don't know, but we've talked about this before sex workers are not often treated like human beings yes yeah so fearing a pattern investigators knew that they needed to act fast before their suspect their culprit whoever the murderer struck again so officers from the delaware state police and the newcastle county police department sprang into action and went to quantico virginia to meet with spencer reed and jj uh god i'm i forget the names hotch jj it's been a minute since i watched criminal minds but they're not meeting any of these people (laughs) you know who they are meeting the fbi's behavioral analysis or behavioral science unit fuck now i'm getting criminal minds (laughs) they're met they meet with fbi's behavioral science behavioral science unit including john e douglas okay And he concluded that it was the work of a serial killer and created a profile. Mm -hmm. So with a, with a depraved, just, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this person. Like they just really suck. Um, Yeah. But sounds like it. They were like we said before, Johnston, that forensic, uh, psychologist said that they were a sexual sadist so with a like depraved fucked up just terrible sexual sadist running around um Mm -hmm. and again the killer is deriving pleasure from extreme pain that their victims are being subjected to yeah the fbi's bsu recommended that the police be proactive and basically to catch this killer they would need to lure him so while other members of law enforcement are trying to identify these strange fibers found on tomorrow police set up a decoy operation in july of that year 1988 with a with female undercover officers posing as sex workers wearing a wire 
and walking along routes 40 and 13 because that was the only connection between the victims. Okay. So they walked in, they walked like these stretches of highway looking for clues while engaging in like flirty banter with any person who stopped. Mm -hmm. And they never got into a vehicle though. They made sure to never get into a vehicle. Um, And one of these other undercover cops was Newcastle County police officer Renee Tashner, who later told Oxygen, quote, I had only graduated from the academy, what, four months before this? I was very new, very keen. The idea was always to engage these guys to see if we could get the person or persons who initiated these crimes to show their hand, end quote. Okay. So a new recruit, four months on the job. And she's and they're just like, yep, you're going to be like walking around trying to catch a serial killer dressed up as acting as his exact target. Yeah. Meanwhile, another woman went missing. Mm. Margaret Lynn Finner, nay Jordan, a 27 year old mom, was trying to secretly make ends meet by performing sex work. Um so she was walking the streets along Route 13th on August 22nd when she disappeared, and a friend had last seen her get into a blue Ford panel van with round headlights. Uh, mm. The driver, the friend said, was a white male, but they couldn't recognize any other distinguishing features. So just run-of-the-mill blue Ford van with round headlights, panel doors, and white dude. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. all they've got to go on. But still, it's a little bit more of something. Yeah. So by September 14th, 1988, Tashner was on the lookout for a blue Ford panel van with with round headlights. And just as on previous stakeouts, men would would routinely approach her. Um, She later said, quote, or no, Hadrick later said, quote, we had a gamut of people stop for her doctors lawyers school teachers at one point there was a line of five or six vehicles with men waiting to talk to her end quote Mm. like so fucking gross yeah um but eventually she saw a vehicle matching the description drive past her and it stopped a little farther down the road then stopped again before turning around and after the van drove past her seven times in 20 minutes wow yeah Tashner went to a darker, more isolated area, and soon the vehicle pulled up next to her and came to a stop. Mm. The driver was a white man who appeared nervous and sullen. Um, He had a very cold demeanor. He hardly looked her in the eyes. He wasn't very talkative, but he still attempted to convince her to get in the car. Okay. She later recalled, quote, he was different than any other person who stopped for me. I was, it was hard to get into a conversation. He wasn't in the moment. He was looking right through me, end quote. Yeah. So he wanted her to get in the car, but she instead feigned interest in his van, asking him to turn on the interior light. When she looked in, she saw the van was covered in blue carpet. Dun, dun, dun. Uh Uh-huh. So thinking on her feet, because she's a fucking genius... When the driver again asked her to get in the car with him, she held him off while playfully rubbing her hand against the carpeting on the van's floor and pulling out a handful of the fibers for testing. Mm. Genius. So while Tashner stalled for time, Hedrick took down the car's license plate. And meanwhile, the driver is demanding that she gets into the van again, 
But Tashner refused and made up a story about being out all night partying and claimed that she was tired and had a bad headache. Okay. So then he gets suspicious. He drives off without Tashner. And the authorities ran the plate number along with several others that had stopped, you know, and determined that this vehicle belonged to Stephen Brian Pennell, a 31-year-old electrician, married, father of two sons, and a daughter from his wife's previous marriage. He had no criminal history, but still they sent the fibers to the lab to see if they were a match to the ones found on Demoro, because what if? What if? Yeah, it's just uh, there's too many things that match and what's the harm in at least checking exactly exactly and they did their they did their like due diligence diligence their jobs for once they uh made sure that they got a search warrant they i'm dropping my pens um they made sure that they got a search warrant they did everything that they needed to do and just slamming my mouse here just they it's the only lead they had to go on you know what i mean so meanwhile on september 10th so this is a few days before another brook brookmont farms resident had gone missing which is another reason why they were working so hard on getting him to yeah like getting the warrant finding out the blue fibers Um, This woman was 26-year-old Kathleen Meyer, who she was last seen alive hitchhiking along Route 40 around 9.30 p.m. on the 10th. And this is important because an off-duty police officer spotted Meyer accepting a ride from a stranger in a blue Ford van with panel doors Mm. and round headlights. Okay. And aware of this connection to the murders he did nothing to stop her or the driver but he wrote down the plate number what a fucking why why wouldn't you do anything yep and then he didn't share this information at the time so we're so so in addition to they're sending the fibers to the lab because they're just like maybe just in case they're like we'll look into getting a search warrant they're not all this time this off-duty cop has seen something like this didn't do anything to stop either of them and also has not told the place he works that is trying to find this thing and you want to know something it did end up being a match to Pennell's the license plate Mm -hmm. number so Pennell was placed under 24-hour surveillance and the task and the the police were monitoring his every move he was tailed by unmarked cars. Um, there was air support as he made late night drives, continuously circling routes 40 and 13. Uh, Tashner even sat next to him at a Moody Blues concert. And she later recalled a heartbreaking encounter with his daughter who approached her during a stakeout and asked for a donation to a school fundraiser. Mm. And Tashner said, quote, she was a kid and you never want any child to experience what was happening yeah like that's just so like it made me think of um dennis raider's daughter how she's talked about how she didn't know that her father was doing this that he was capable of this but also just to to experience that 
I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it really, it, it really just, I felt, I, I also feel bad for the kid. Like it just really fucks you up. Yeah. So meanwhile, yet another victim turns up. Mm. Yeah. So Michelle Gordon, a 22 year old Newcastle resident was also a sex worker, also known to hitchhike on route 40. And she was reported missing by her stepfather after she disappeared two days after Tashner interacted with Pennell on September 16th. Wow. Yeah. So like the other victims, Gordon was last seen hopping into the passenger side of a blue Ford panel van on Route 40. And that night, Pennell was observed driving circuits of Routes 13 and 40 during this when he was being tailed. Mm -hmm. But he then went back home. And when investigators observed the lights going out in his home, they left, thinking that the suspect had gone to bed. Mm. However, Pennell left again in the middle of the night, went back out, and went cruising along Route 40. So then Gordon's naked body washed up on the banks of the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal days later on September 20th. Um, Jennings told Oxygen, quote, she, like the others, had been brutally tortured while she was bound, end quote. However, unlike the other victims, there were no ligature marks on Gordon's body or blows to her head. None of that. Mm -hmm. And the medical examiner later testified that this was because so Gordon was a cocaine addict and she had a lot of drugs in her system. Okay. That made her heart incapable of withstanding the shock of her abuse. Mm. Jennings later explained, quote, the medical examiner indicated that the actual events of the actual acts of violence and torture literally frightened her to death. End quote. I mean, you hope it was quicker and easier than the torture she would have endured otherwise. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. She was, this is, this happened while she was enduring the torture. Yeah. So, like, yes, she this wasn't strangled, the, but this is the the one of the only cases that I I remember talking about that they have the guy, like they know who it is, and still three other people are murdered. Well, after and they, again, they basically ID him, and and like they're, again, they're following him. They're following him and. Again, like they think, oh, he went to bed, so we're gonna go. So they just leave him be. What's the twenty-four hour surveillance? Yeah, this dude is seeing them, like, or not seeing them. This this undercover cop is seeing him, not not him, but Matt. The van matches the description. He watches a sex worker get into the car with him. Yeah, and doesn't like, even follow. Doesn't doesn't like, even do anything. Doesn't even, doesn't even send mention it, it to yeah, yeah. To, to his work. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, Like the other victims, Gordon's death was ruled a homicide, but this time the police had another piece to this puzzle. The lone witness to the abduction knew both Gordon and Pennell and was able to immediately identify his vehicle. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So in the weeks that followed... There, the both both the killer and the police accelerated their activities. On September twenty fourth, investigators 
finally got the break that they needed. The fibers that Tashner had pulled from Pennell's van proved to be a match to the ones found on DeMauro. So Mm -hmm. a task force was formed, um, complete with its own headquarters near the Newcastle County Airport. And it was it was fucking huge. It was absolutely massive. Almost 60 members of this task force. Yeah, that's like half of Delaware. (laughs) like that's a lot of fucking people it was the state's third largest task force like or or, or, excuse me police department for a period of time wow this task force yes uh hedrick later told delaware today quote we had access to an airplane helicopters and rental vehicles money wasn't an issue i don't know anyone who has ever worked for a government agency where money wasn't an issue we had an unlimited budget end quote damn i worked for a member for a faction of the military for a brief blip in time i had to buy my own supplies like pens and shit like this is this guy is is legit like this is you know you know like you don't get a budget much less an unlimited budget yeah so delaware attorney general charles Oberly approved a search warrant for pennell's car and so after pulling him over for a routine traffic violation on September 30th, Pennell was immediately hauled into court to pay his ticket, which is a rare, uh, I would say morally gray, but still legal method for the police to detain a suspect. Mm. Mm-hmm. So while he was detained, police installed a listening device. They took more carpet fiber samples, fabric swatches, Photos of the vehicle's interior and exterior of his van, like everything, everything, everything. So during mm-hmm. their search, they also discovered that the carpet fibers seemed to match those on the victims, as well as samples of hair, blood, and skin in the carpet. Mm. And the same brand of duct tape that was used on DeMoro was in the van. Man, he really did not try to even pretend to cover his tracks. Nope, because there was also a so-called torture kit, which included pliers, a whip. These assholes love this. Yeah, it had pliers, a whip, handcuffs, needles, (sighs) knives, and restraints. Uh, Yeah, that's a torture kit. Yep. Fucking like a goddamn psychopath. So the investigation into Pennell continued, but suspecting surveillance, he found the covert bug as he was cleaning out his van. Mm. So then authorities raided his home. They further searched the van. Meanwhile, on November 12th, a hunter discovered skeletal... Me. Yes, that is My you. My birthday. I thought you were saying the the hunter was you, and I was like... No. No. I'm not a hunter. You were it dead then. on my birthday. I was yes. dead then. You were dead yeah. then. That's what um, we say in our family when uh, yeah. somebody, prior to them being born, or prior to them being in your you life... You didn't exist. You were, de- you were dead then. Yes. So, yes, on Haley's birthday, a hunter discovered skeletal remains in a field near the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal. Oh, that's not fun. Yep. And the autopsy revealed, first of all, and again, remember, Chesapeake and Delaware Canal is, this is the second time that a body has washed up. Yeah. Or in this case, not washed up, but washed up, but that like a body has been found. Yes. Yeah. So the autopsy revealed that it was Margaret Finner who at this point had been missing for close to three months. Mm. And her body was in such an advanced state of decay that a cause of death actually couldn't be determined. Wow. 
Yeah. So an arrest warrant was issued, and Pennell was arrested on November 29th, 1988, exactly one year after he murdered Ellis. Wow. Yes. And he was charged with three counts of murder for the killings of Ellis, DeMauro, and Gordon. Um, but police did not ever end up charging him with the murder of Finner because they didn't have any physical evidence linking him to her death because mm. her body was in that state of decay. Yeah. But allegedly, upon his arrest, Pennell said to arresting officers, quote, I guess it's time. End quote. Yeah, guess it is. Fucking, yeah. And then he exercised his right to remain silent. Of course he did. Yeah. Yep. Fucking coward. So Hedrick later said of his interview with Pennell, quote, he was your typical all-American person. He came across as totally normal, married father with no criminal record. No one would ever look at his background and see signs that this could happen. No one would ever suspect him of anything. End quote. Mm. So we'll talk a little bit about Pennell. Because, like I said, we don't know much about his upbringing, but we do know about his life at this time. Yeah. He and his family lived in a trailer in Glasgow, Delaware, um, near Route 40. And generally, he was considered to be a good family man. He played sports with his kids. He gave neighboring kids ride to school. He even dressed up like (coughs) Santa for the holidays. But since becoming a qualified electrician in 1987... He could not, no matter how hard he tried, hold down a job. Um, In addition to performing this electrical work when he couldn't couldn't get a job, uh, he also Mm -hmm. worked part-time as a bouncer to help make ends meet because he was six foot five and weighed in at around 300 pounds. Yeah. Dude was... Bouncer's a great job for somebody that big. Yep. Um, And, well, because that's the thing. It's, It's a great job because he appeared to be intimidating however a former customer of his once said that it was all just like an act um and said quote he just didn't command respect end quote Mm. like that might be one of the worst things you can say to somebody (laughs) like it's right up there with uh madeline you are so small like it's 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 just it sticks with you um so yeah Pennell didn't command respect. He also didn't command a good grip on his fucking wallet because he ran up a slew of credit card bills, which understandably put a strain on his marriage. Not understandably, this strain on his marriage led to incidents of domestic violence. Nice, good Mm. family man. Good all-American man just beating the shit out of his wife. What a guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, at one point, Pennell even broke his wife's arm in a rage, though this was never reported to the police. Wow. That yeah. Poor woman. I know. So Pennell purchased his van on June 3rd, 1988. So just mere months, like, before, after, like, how, sh- how do I say this? About six months after he killed Ellis. Okay. But, like, a not even a month before he killed his other victims. Yeah. Um, and he installed blue carpet. This is all again after he murdered Ellis. But prior to Pennell's trial. He installed the blue carpet? Yes. You know what you install if you're going to murder somebody in your van? Tarps. You would think. You would think. Carpet is the worst thing. Carpet is the worst. You can end it there. 
I yeah, hate my carpet. Carpet's the worst. <laughs> carpet's the worst, but also carpet is the worst thing if you're trying to be like uh, clean Sneaky. and discreet. Yeah. yeah. Mm-mm. I don't know. Like just, I I can't I can't. But so he had, he installed this carpet. But prior to the trial, Pennell's att- defense attorney Eugene Morer vigorously attacked this carpet fiber evidence, arguing that Tashner didn't have the authority to seize the strands when she was like feeling around in there. Um, so Oberly wasn't she doing like like surveillance or whatever? She was. Like, wasn't she, she was out there to. Yes, but she didn't have a warrant to search his van or take anything from his van, like the carpet fibers. But if he like, this is just what Moore is arguing. I I know, and I don't. I guess I don't know like the legality of everything. But like, if he told her to get in the van, like, all right, it's like how last week, or not last week, how uh, for wishful thinking. It's like how. Two days ago, we talked about take only memories, leave only footprints. Yeah. That's basically what Morer is arguing, is that she did not follow the National Park rules. Okay. She took a rock and now she's She took a rock forever. and now she's going to be cursed forever, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Oberly later said, quote, the fibers led to everything else. If that was ruled inter- in- inadmissible, everything else would have been kept out under the fruit of the poisonous tree legal doctrine. That could have been mm. devastating, end quote. Yeah, it's like uh, what happened with the uh, OJ case. Yes, yes, very yeah. much so, which we will get to. Um, yeah. But ultimately, Judge Rippard Gebelein, G-E-B-E-L-E-I-N, sure. denied Moore's objections and concluded that the carpet was in plain view once Pennell opened the door to invite yep. Tashner inside the van. Yeah. Um, however... Jennings introduced more than blue fibers at Pennell's September 1989 criminal trial. She had DNA. Ooh. Yup. Which at this time was relatively new. Like we've talked about this in our episode. Um, it's number 181, the wood chipper murder. That mm-hmm. DNA was relatively like new. Um, however, it it was still like as we know today like legitimate but yeah it was something that had only been permitted as evidence in two other criminal cases in the country at that Mm -hmm. point and it was the first instance in which it was used in a criminal trial wow yes so judge gebeline gebeline later recalled to delaware today quote there was a learning curve. There weren't a lot of experts in that field, and there was no law to ensure the evidence was introduced correctly. I had to let the scientists testify and then make a decision whether their actions were legally sound, end quote. Hmm. So according to court records, the victim's DNA uh, that was found with, from the blood and the hair found inside his van, um, the blue carpet fiber matches, all of that, like, they all linked up. Um, however... Another blood sample taken from Pennell's van was subsequently found to be a match for Meyer. Okay. So as with Finner, Pennell was not charged for Meyer's murder in this trial, and her body was never found. Hmm. Um, On top of the fibers and the DNA, the strongest case against Pennell was... Can you guess? Murder. Huh? 
<laughs> yes, but what was the strongest case against him? Like, all right. What was the main thing that people were just like, oh, yeah, guilty? Uh, he sucks. Yeah. Okay, good. It was Panel himself. Um, when testifying about exactly how the victim's blood and hair could have just found their way into his van, uh, he claimed that he picked up DeMauro, paid her $25 for oral sex, and then dropped her off, joking $25? that she... Well, it gets worse. Um, I didn't do, actually, the how much was it today, because I, I thought that was a bit gauche. But, I mean, I can, if you want. Uh, I don't know that it's... No, like, you don't have to. It's just $25 is like... $65 today. $65.04. No, I'm still not doing it. Not enough. But either way, you won't love this next bit, though. Okay. Uh, he said he paid her $25, then dropped her off, joking that she, quote, gave me $10 back, end quote, afterwards. I'm sure she did. She just loved your dick so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But also... I'm sorry, this is what you're saying? Like, you want this on the record. So, yeah. understandably, the jury was mortified. And Jennings later told Delaware Today, quote, the way he described DeMauro was so cold. He talked about her like she was just some piece of garbage he could just throw away. I think that hurt him in front of the jury. End quote. Yeah, that's how he feels about women. Yeah, and, and even Maurer, Pennell's lawyer, later admitted, quote, it was as fine a piece of testifying as I've ever seen. He explained everything. Where he got slaughtered was his demeanor. He had these cold, dark eyes that didn't move around a lot. I tried to work with him, but people are who they are, end quote. Yeah. Like, he just wasn't a likable dude. Yep. So, despite this, the jury still struggled with the three murder charges, no matter how unlikable he was. Moore told Delaware today, quote, I was going through anguish each day. I thought it was going to be a quick verdict and he'd be convicted in two days. As each day passed, I thought maybe we got something going, end quote. So the jury ended up spending a total of eight days reviewing the evidence, which Delaware today reported in 2014 to be the longest deliberation in the state's history. I tried to find if it's still the longest. I could not. Uh -huh. However, as a terrible snowstorm settled over the region on Thanksgiving Day, November 23rd, 1989, the jury reached a verdict, and Jennings, Morer, and Peter Letang of the Attorney General's office abandoned their holiday plans to go to the courthouse and learn what was going to come of, become a panel. Mm -hmm. George Geblin later told Delaware Today, quote, It was a little surreal being in the courtroom. The thought was that the jury should have been done before Thanksgiving. If they were sequestered any longer, they wouldn't have been able to go home to their families, end quote. Yeah. So in the end, Pennell was convicted of murdering Ellis and DeMauro, but they deadlocked on Gordon's case, which investigators later told Mark of a serial killer was likely because her murder was different from the others, um, because she is the one who died of fright. Yeah. And so he was ultimately acquitted of her murder. But shortly after the verdict was read... Uh, this gave me goosebumps, and I am already starting to get a little emotional, so bear with me. Okay. Shortly after the verdict was read, a bouquet of flowers arrived on the state prosecutor Jennings's desk. Mm. And the card read, quote, from the women of Route 40, 
you made us feel like human beings. Aww. End quote. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh God, here we go. Um, but so yeah, so Pennell received two life sentences for the murders of Ellis and DeMauro, which Morer later admitted to Delaware Today, quote, in retrospect, it was probably the correct verdict. There was just too much evidence that he had to explain, end quote. And we all heard yeah. how he explained it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, however, the jury also deadlocked on the death penalty. Um, so 1990, he's given these two life terms and Moore initiated a lengthy appeals process alleging that the fiber seizure was still unconstitutional, among other things. But the state responded by indicting Pennell for the murders of Meyer and Gordon based on new evidence. Mm -hmm. So Pennell asked if he could... Well, first of all, yeah. So Pennell asked if he could proceed with this indictment without an attorney. I love when they do this. Yes. So, and this motion was granted because a lot of people, I guess, love when they do this. Yeah. Uh, so claiming Let's he didn't... Let's see what this fucker's gonna do. Yeah, is well, that... and here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's funny you say that because his reasoning for most of this, he goes, I don't want to upset my family with another trial. I'm like, you know what you could have done to prevent upsetting your family? Not murder scores of women. And also not beat your wife. Yeah. Like, listen, let's We're not... We're beyond that now. That ship has sailed, okay? Like, yeah. it has sailed so far, it's practically coming the fuck back around again unless you think the earth is flat. So... He pleaded no contest to Meyer and Gordon's murders. However, he did not confess. Okay. I don't know why. Pennell's next move then shocked the world with Judge Gebline later telling Delaware Today, quote, I've never seen so many twists and turns in one case. Mm. So Pennell delivered a terse argument that was filled with biblical quotes asking the super the superior court to sentence him to death okay declaring quote the law was developed from one book and it's that book i quote from in numbers chapter 35 verse 30 oh God. whoever kills a person the person shall be put to death also in genesis chapter 9 verse 6 whoever sheds man's blood by man his blood shall be shed this court has found me guilty on the testimony of witnesses, so I ask that the sentence be death, as said by the state's laws and God's laws. That's all I have to say. End quote. Yeah, back when that book was written, they didn't uh, have toilet paper yet, so let's not talk about, like, the they civilized... They said not to eat fucking shrimp. Like, come on! Yeah, um, like, let's but calm mean, down and, and also, like, I've, I've said this before, I, I'm against the death penalty personally, but devil's advocate he wants to be he, he he's asking for the death penalty and i'm like don't give him what he wants like don't don't give him like uh, like i also see it as kind of like an easy out like you don't have to sit there and think about what you've done like there is nothing yeah. more torturous than when you were a kid and your parents sent you to your room with nothing and you just had to like sit there and think it over you couldn't take yeah. a nap you couldn't do shit so yeah let this let this fucker rot no so as requested panel was sentenced to death on halloween 1991 oh i know a 1991 psychiatric evaluation submitted to the delaware supreme court 
um, because that's the thing. Under Delaware law, all cases in which the death penalty is invoked are automatically appealed to the state Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So in a psychiatric... In 1991, he was given a psychiatric evaluation that people later saw after it was submitted to the Supreme Court. Um, but it cleared him of depression, paranoia, and psychosis. It also described him as, quote, a pleasant, attractive, friendly 33-year-old man who related well to the examiner, end quote. Date him, why don't you? Yeah, like, this is like some fucking Ted Bundy shit. It's like, this, is after, oh. this isn't just after he's been convicted of killing two women it's after yeah. he has been convicted of killing two women and indicted for killing two more and they think he killed another one but they don't have enough evidence because her body was too decomposed yeah and here's the thing even mentioning that he is like a good looking person i have not seen a photo of him i do not I, know yeah i, guess I don't probably either. not but um, even mentioning that, that has no relevance to the case at exactly. all. You didn't have to say it. It's a psychiatric evaluation. What does that have to do with anything? It's Do they look yeah. crazy? That's, yeah. I mean, like, think and about And that's this. relative. Yeah. Think, no, it's not. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you can be attractive and be mentally ill. You can be unattractive and be mentally ill. Like, yeah. both of these things are true. This doesn't. I don't understand this. And also, like, people thought Ted Bundy was attractive. Like, beauty is yeah. in the eye of the beholder. But I feel like this is why I don't understand people who are just not thinking about all the things that they've done to people. Yeah. So, yeah. They more or later told Delaware Today, quote, his acts were unspeakable, but it's hard to connect with the Stephen Pennell I got to know with the person who committed these horrific crimes. The psychiatric evaluations never diagnosed him with any mental health issues, end quote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can seem normal and you can kill people. He approved it. Like, yeah. hello. So anyway, like I said, Delaware law says you've got to like go to the you, It's got to be uh, escalated to the state Supreme Court if you're pursuing the death penalty. So Pennell appeared before the five judge court on February 11th, 1992 to ask for his own execution. Mm hmm. It seems to me like the dude was just looking for a free trip to D.C., but that's not that's that's up to him. He remains the only person to represent himself before the state Supreme Court. Wow. Yes. Um, I also want to clarify, like I meant free trip to D.C. because if they told him no, that's where you escalate it next. Like he can escalate it and be like, I want to die, Mr. and Mrs. and mix Supreme Courts. Yep. So anyway. So he remains the only person to represent himself before the state Supreme Court in Delaware. Um, he was also the only one to ask for death. Okay. Good for him, I guess. He still refused to admit guilt and argued, at, which also makes no sense to me. Why are you refusing to say that you did it? And yet you're like, but you should kill me. Yeah. So he argued that if he were a prosecutor demanding death for a vicious criminal... Or, or no, I should say he argued like he was a prosecutor demanding death for a vicious criminal because that's what I have in my notes, but I just didn't read it correctly. Um, but he told the court, quote, the perpetrator must have sensed a pleasure in the killings since he did not commit just one, but continued in the same depraved manner on the others. This pleasure is evident, end quote. He just wanted to hear more people talk about what he's proud of. He's Oprahing himself. Yeah. Like... Even one of the judges, former Supreme Court Justice Andrew Moore, state Supreme Court Justice Andrew Moore, later told Delaware Today, quote, the most amazing thing was that he spoke about the crimes in the third person. He never once used the first person. 
it was a strange, strange thing, end quote. Yeah, but again, that's another kind of like Ted Bundy thing when he was representing himself. Yes. He he asked people like details of the case because he just wanted to like hear about it. Yes. And he wanted to hear somebody else say it. Yes. It's uh, all part of the sadism. It's all part of like getting off on that shit. Like, yeah. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. So... Yeah. <laughs> Deputy Attorney General Richard E. Fairbanks Jr. represented the state of Delaware, and he was personally opposed to the death penalty, but he still gave a fiery plea for Pennell's execution. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a single justice asked a question. Wow. Yeah. Judge Moore later said he couldn't recall any other oral argument in the Supreme Court, like, ever without there being at least one question. This was the only case that he had experienced where nobody had any questions. Um, Mm -hmm. Later telling Delaware Today, quote, Fairbanks became so impassioned that we thought he would burst into tears. All five of us were taken aback by his impassioned statements, end quote. Mm. Like, damn. So the court unanimously agreed that execution was the move for Pennell. So a date was set for March 14th, 1992, and Pennell appeared content, but weirdly other people were like, no, he can't die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Two dudes that he had never met before filed appeals on his behalf. But yeah, yeah. And they were quickly uh, um, dismissed because they had no standing. But Pennell's wife, Vera Catherine Pennell, did have standing. Mm-hmm. And so she petitioned the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union's Delaware chapter, to argue for a stay of execution. And then in another weird twist, like Judge Gebeline was talking about, Widener University law professor Lawrence Hamermesh, who was a member of the ACLU's board and an expert in corporate law, not okay. criminal law. Uh huh. He had never had anything to do with criminal cases. He had never tried a criminal case. Um, Okay. He said, I'll represent you, Vera. Sure. Okay. Uh, He later told Delaware Today, quote, I think I did the best I could. I had no death penalty experience, and the state had pulled out all the stops because of the severity of the crimes, end quote. So Hammermesh challenged a superior the, the superior court psychiatric evaluation that was sent to the Supreme Court that declared him competent to understand the penal competent to understand the charges and to challenge them himself. Hammermesh uh, alleged that the review was neither thorough nor comprehensive and that the time was and that time was needed for a more complete evaluation. I mean, yeah, they called him attractive in the thing. I think that's fair yeah. to be like this isn't necessarily gospel. Yeah. Nevertheless, the Supreme Court rejected this argument, and Pennell was once again back on schedule for execution. He was the first man to be put to death in Delaware in 46 years. Mm. Um, it is not known why he demanded to be put to death, even while he, again, he maintained that he was innocent. Like, he never said, I did it. Okay. Um, he never gave any admissions of guilt. Uh, Tashner suggested to Delaware Today, quote, asking for death was his way of admitting it. I was as surprised as anyone else, but I'm glad he spared the victim's families and his own family years of appeals, end quote. Yeah. But what's more, speaking of, 
no one, not even his family, seems to know why he did this at all. Yeah. Um, the state prosecutor Jennings told Delaware Today, quote, he never permitted the interviews that got us answer answers. Even the FBI tried to talk to him and get at the heart of what caused him to do this. But he just wouldn't talk, end quote. It was like a show of power thing. Basically, like, and, and then shortly before he was executed, he calls Morer from prison. And Morer is surprised because, again, like, dude fired him. Yeah. But also, he hadn't heard from him in over a year. Like, he had heard nothing from him. Mm -hmm. So, riddle me fucking this, why Pennell calls him because he says, all right, I want to speak to the media before I die. Okay. So, Moore made it happen and later recalled to Delaware Today that Pennell asked him to sit next to him during these, this media thing because he was, quote, afraid of saying something stupid. In some ways, he was very much a conformist. He cared very much what people thought of him, end quote. Mm -hmm. So he does these interviews, right? And this is what came out of them. His last meal plans. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Great. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Um, and according, for those curious, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, that was crab cakes, steak, Corn on the cob, French fries, bread and butter, and cola. A very Delaware meal. Yeah, I guess. Um, but Jennings told Delaware today, quote, to this day, I want to know why. All of us involved want to understand it better. Typically, there's some horrifying event in the life of a serial killer that explains how they became sociopaths. But in the penal case, we couldn't get at it. That's the lingering mystery. Why? Some people just suck. Yeah. Yeah. And this and dude if, sucked. If you didn't put him to death, maybe you would keep him alive long enough that exactly. he would answer some questions. Like, fuck, hang it like a carrot in front of the guy's face and be like, we'll kill you if you tell us why you did this. Like, come on. Yeah. If that's what he wants so badly, then. Yeah. He didn't like, give he a fuck wanted, about crab cakes. He wanted to die so he could hold on to the mystery yeah he so that's he the power about he calls yeah. together the entire like all of this media to and under the guise of like oh he'll probably tell us because he's about to die it's some last like ending confessional he never does yeah and so he was on march 14th 1992 executed by lethal injection at the james t vaughn correctional center in smyrna delaware um shockingly Pennell had no final words just left yep. no answers at all mm -hmm. and hedrick told delaware today quote i hoped and prayed that before Pennell died he'd tell us where we could find kathleen meyer or at least give us a place to look that didn't happen end nope. quote she's never been found yeah and that is the story of the Route 40 killer. What a fucking scumbag. What like, a piece of garbage. Absolutely. Like, fuck that noise. Just get was the fuck out of here. Was he on any uh, documentaries or... Um... He was. He was. We're going to get into that okay. now. So, he's been featured on a couple of podcasts. We're going to start that off. Okay. We, we love to give love to our fellow podcasters. 
Um, and so episodes one and two, the first two episodes of the podcast Murderous States of Mind talks about mm. this case. Okay. Um, so does the podcast Ghosts and Hoes, H-E-A-U-X-S. Um, okay. And that's episode 155. You can hear you can hear them talk about him there. Um, and then the Road Less Traveled podcast, uh, they their 63rd episode is on Stephen Pennell. But then okay. we also have a little bit of pop culture. Just just a wee bit. Uh, the first being that thing that I mentioned before from Oxygen, the mark of or or not the mark, but it's just mark of a serial killer. Okay. And it's season three, episode one. It aired on April because that's a series. It aired on mm-hmm. April twelfth, twenty twenty one, and a bunch of these mark of a killer or a bunch of the um, interviews from Mark of a Killer featured like the people like the references that I made in this. Okay. I got a lot of uh, quotes from it. The episode itself has a seven point four out of ten on IMDb. Uh, or the series itself, excuse me, not the episode itself. The series itself has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb, which is honestly, like, pretty good for a, yeah. like, the, you know, like, a true crime docuseries type of thing. Yeah. Because it's got, like, three or four seasons. Um, Yeah, four seasons. Four seasons. It only just ended in 2022. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's got a 7.7. The episode has a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb. So it's seen as kind of like a a good good episode. Yeah. Yeah. But next up, we've got the series on the ID channel. And I know it's on the ID channel. I'll tell you why I know it's on the ID channel in a minute. Uh, Grave Secrets. If you remember Grave Secrets. Uh, Vaguely, yes. It's the episode is season three. Or (laughs) it's... um, it's the episode is called The Signs on Their Bodies, and it aired on November 16th, 2016, Okay, um, which is season one, episode three, not season three. Um, there were only two seasons, but you can apparently watch it on True Crime Files by Investigation Discovery on Prime uh, mm-hmm. if you are interested in watching this. And I know that it was on Investigation Discovery because I don't think it was for this particular episode, but... I auditioned for Grave Secrets at one oh, point. Shit. Yeah. Um d- obviously I'm here. I didn't get it. But I did like legitimately have to and I for the life of me, I tried to go back in my emails and see if I could find out if it was this episode or not. And That'd be so cool. Right. Like can you imagine just like it, absolutely not. But from what I could gather um it might have been the seventh episode, Bottom of the Stairs, that is okay. uh, the episode that I auditioned for. That's the most I could find, though. If anybody knows which one I auditioned for, let me know. Um, but I just thought that was, I was like, oh, nobody talks about Very Grave Secrets. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's finally a Lifetime movie that of was made about is. this. Because, yeah, I was about to say, of course there is. Like, how could you not? Because in case you didn't know. Uh, Renee Tashner is a bad bitch. Um, but this is loosely based on 
the they say it's inspired by real events, but it's loosely based on like Tashner's role in this okay. in this case. Um, it's called How She Caught a Killer. It's got a five point seven out of ten on IMDb, which honestly, for a Lifetime movie, because it just came out this year. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it it did not come out, and I didn't plan this. It literally came out on September sixteenth, which is the day recent. that recent and also um again the day that uh what do you call it um the michelle gordon went missing Mm -hmm. was reported missing by her stepfather like just what are the i don't know if that was planned i don't know what the chances are though that's pretty fucking dope but um like i said yeah doesn't have anything on rotten tomatoes doesn't have anything on google just because it is new i'm assuming Mm-hmm. But you can watch it where you get your lifetime movies. You can also rent it. Um, I, I, it, it exists. It's loosely based on this case, and yeah. that's all she wrote. That's what we got. That's very interesting. Do you I have know. a palate cleanser? Because this is a huge bummer. I do. I do. I have a positive palate cleanser. Um, so as. People will see in my... Actually, I'll take another photo so that people... Because if you are on... Uh, so many plugs for Discord today. Uh, yeah. If you are on the Discord Patreon channel, um, which anybody on our Patreon can join our exclusive Discord Patreon channel, you will see... You just got to make sure you tell me uh, your real name for that Patreon so I know Since who you, you are. So I can Discord. Yeah. So I got to make sure I know who you actually are to make sure you're on the Discord. I mean, to make sure you're on the Patreon. Okay. I just took another photo of this that I will also post, um, like, on online, uh, on Discord. There is a clothing brand called True Lucia, T-R-U-E-L-U-C-I-A. Um, they are small business two person setup uh founded by an artist she designs everything everything is made to order so if something is hand painted it is hand painted um everything is hand designed and then screen printed um otherwise like it's just it's really cool it's a really cool little shop thing and i shopped their online website couple like a month ago now and i had a small snafu with my order but it wasn't on them it wasn't on me um i think it might have been on postal service yeah i think it might have been on the postal service but she the founder gianna was so wonderful and i truly could not recommend this place more like i got i got a cute shirt the shirt is a so cute it fits like you know when sometimes you'll buy a t-shirt and it fits your body, but the arms are not the right, like, they're, it's almost like they're they're not too tight, but, like, you don't always want a fitted short yeah. sleeve. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. weirdly, like, not overly fitted. They, like, I look so cute in this. I feel so cute in this. And it's very cute. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's a cute shirt. Mine says sustainability is hot, because it is. Um, and she practices what she preaches, because this is sustainable, uh, 
the packaging was really cute. I highly recommend. And like her just her dedication to customer service and her dedication to her to her work, her art is mm-hmm. just really great. So I highly recommend it. And that's True Lucia. That's my palette cleanser. Just made my that. absolute day. I've got a little keychain with that looks like a disco ball on there. It's so fucking cute. Love. Uh, yeah. Highly recommend. Love that. Well, uh, we mentioned it already up top, but we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Discord again, email, crimeculturepod at gmail.com, website, crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Um, Secret Satan is coming up. And Halloween yeah, get live your stuff stream in. is coming up. Yep. Send out your Secret Satan gifts. We got to make sure we get everybody their get us stuff your tracking. So we can all open it on Halloween. Yes, if you've already sent it, send us your tracking info so that we can coordinate with your recipient if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's it. I think that's so, it. We're not gonna. We're not only just gonna see you next Tuesday. We're gonna see you on Halloween. IRL Tuesday. God, yes. what a what a what a dope! Like, spend Halloween with us, y'all, because Tuesday is Halloween. We've got our stream. It's the day our episode drops. Like, oh, what a time! So many good things. What a happening. time! So spooky. So we'll see you on Halloween. Bye. Bye. Bye.